Hello and welcome again to Metamorphosis, the podcast of Trinity United Methodist Church in Piedmont, Missouri. And in this episode, I am interviewing Catherine Ingram Wilson. She's a colleague of mine at Southeast Missouri State University. I put out a call on Facebook some time ago uh, expressing interest in interviewing people who identify as quote-unquote religious nuns. Not Catholic nuns, but nun is in N-O-N-E. Religious nuns are actually the fastest growing quote-unquote denomination in the United States. So what are they? Well, religious nuns are people who believe in God, who even have some spirituality as a core part of their lives or their identity, but they do not identify with, associate with, or affiliate with any denomination. So these are people who are you know, spiritual but not religious, you might say. Um, and so Catherine responded to my call on Facebook expressing an interest in interviewing such people. Um, and we have a great conversation where she shares her spiritual journey and her um, experience growing up in church and some of the experiences there that have made organized religion problematic for her. Um, and then she also demonstrates and explores you know, some really interesting thoughts and ideas um, just for... Um, that are specific to her, of course, but also that we can, I think, learn a lot from for our own faith journeys, as well as for how to understand and engage with people who maybe uh, share some of our beliefs in God or, or in Jesus, but not necessarily all of them, or who um, maybe believe in God, but have been hurt by the church and struggle then to connect with or be part of a faith community. Um, and so one, you know, just off the to preview some of our conversation, um, we uh, talk a lot about how to listen well <laughs> and about how to create a faith community that resonates with and connects with people who have been hurt by the church in the past. Um, so I'm excited for this interview and, I, and I'm excited to have further and future interviews with other quote unquote religious nuns. So let's hear from Catherine. Um, my name is Catherine Ingram Wilson, and um, as a profession, I teach English at Southeast Missouri State University. Um, enjoy what I do. Um, I I have um, I grew up in a very very strict um, religion, and. Um, we went to church a great deal. Honestly, I, I have to, I really have to give credit for, despite my current beliefs, um, my religious background actually really helped me as an English teacher. I mean, you had to go, when I remember being four years old and, and having to look things up in the Bible. Hmm. If you said it was in the Bible, you better you better back it up. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. I spent an afternoon uh, looking that up still. Um, it also taught me to, um, to be very critical of what other people say and really look for, um, you know, what does the Bible say? Again, this was very, take the Bible literally and so forth. So um, I... I was, um, I stayed with that religion, and I really believed it until, I, I still had questions. I was one of those that questioned, but around about seventh grade, um, 
a split in, in, in our church, which really, it was very traumatic for me. And it brought up other things which led me to really start thinking about, um, you know, is this really what I believe? And really, make, I started looking at other religions and so forth. So that said, um, that's my religious background. Um, I was so distraught by this split that I started really questioning if God even existed. And I had the, you know, the uh, adolescent, I don't believe in God sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then slowly I, I evolved my thoughts to, you know, I, I really believe there is a God. Um, I, that's one thing for people of faith. I understand faith because I have faith that there is a God, that there is something bigger than us out there. Um, and as the more I thought about that, there's so much beauty and horror in organized religion. And you've got the two that go hand in hand. And I started looking and reading. I've always been fascinated by religion. Um, a part of it was because, uh, again, being so strict, we were taught that, you know, we're going to heaven if we follow all these rules, and anyone who is not like us, and they don't follow those rules, those poor people are, are going to hell. And um, anyway, so that led me, being the rebellious child I was, to start really looking at other people's religions. And I was fascinated by them, how they were different, and so and the more I studied and, uh, you know, reading the Bible, reading the Quran, reading uh, on uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, I came to the realization that at the core, um, they all say the same things. They all say the same things. Love God, first of all. Be kind to one another. Um, you know, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Um, treat others as you would have them treat. Every single religion has that. And I came to think, you know, it's not God. It's, it, it's organized religion. It's organized religion that I have a problem with. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Uh, people who attend church every week can resonate with that. And people who haven't been to church since they were children or never could resonate with that. Um, so yeah, there's so many interesting points there. Um, do you care to elaborate or would you mind to elaborate a little bit more on that church split and, and what made it so traumatic? Well, church was a integral part of our, of our life. And when I was a little kid, um, we went to that. I'm going to come up so snobby. It's, it's hysterical. Uh, we went to the big church. It was a fancier church. And, um, and that's where we went to Sunday school. I loved my Sunday school teachers. Um, by the way, this was an integrated church in the 60s. Um, my younger, uh, this is in Michigan, my uh, early childhood uh, my Sunday school teachers, they were African-American. Um, it was a really diverse group, but my parents um, didn't like certain things that they were doing. They felt that they were spending too much money on the church building, and there were other dogmatic um, things they had there. So we went to a smaller offshoot congregation, and 
they were very, very dogmatic. I mean, it was, you know, just very, this is what the Bible says, this is what we do. Um, and I missed that old church. I missed my friends from Sunday school at that old church. But I got used to it and so forth. And again, being a small church, these were poor people. Um, that church was integrated, but not as much as um, the, the larger congregation. Anyway, um, in seventh grade, we had these uh, folks come in, and singing is a really big deal in the Church of Christ. It's a, it's a really big deal. Um, and these people, a young man and his wife, and they were going to get our youth group going, and they were so smart and so dedicated, and they were not the founding members of the church and they had different ideas they 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 went with more classic even though acapella classical acapella singing versus the more rustic singing that the uh, more original members went with and of all things that split the congregation wow i mean it was like we hate them they're too they're too snobby, and they're too, it was, and I loved these people, and they were really trying to get, they were really trying to grow the youth, and I was on board with it, and they actually left, I get choked up, and it was years ago, they left, and they actually said, we've split the church, and we didn't want to do that. We're sorry for this. We can't stay here. So they went back to the um, the, main, the larger congregation. And I remember Joey even said, don't let this test your faith. And I went, if this is what, if these are what Christians are like, you know how people are. <laughs> if these are what Christians are like, I have nothing to do with it. And um, that's what happened. And, um, yeah, I let that happen to me. But, yeah, a lot, that's what happens to a lot of folks. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't the Church of Christ. It was not either side. It was people being obnoxious people like we all are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, I really get that. And I, I think a lot of our listeners will get that. You know, I, I can, very easily put myself in your shoes and, and think, man, if this is all it takes for people to get this upset, <laughs> um, that, I mean, it sounds so silly and it is, it's a silly thing to get that upset about and split a church over, but that's the point, right? That if something this insignificant in the grand scheme of things could be this big a deal, it really does make you wonder and question, you know, what am I a part of and why am I a part of this? Um, yeah, so I I don't blame you at all for, you know, experiencing that as a trauma. And and so you responded to that in part by uh, beginning to question things, beginning to explore things. And, and so I really like that you, you know, didn't just wash your hands of it, that you, you know, said, I'm going to educate myself, I'm going to learn more. And so I'd like, I'd love to hear more about that process and what that looked like. And then you mentioned you discovered all, all the different religions kind of say very similar things in, in their core. 
Um, and I'd love to hear more about that as well. So could you maybe elaborate on that process and, and how you went about exploring and reading and reaching out for resources and then also what you found? Well, I had always been questioning. So I do, to answer that fully and honestly, I've got to go back a little bit. Um, they, the Church of Christ, no symbols, et cetera. It, it, again, it's very austere and I was not an austere kid. I liked pictures of Jesus and um, statues and so forth. Um, I was really drawn to the art, but that was forbidden. And I remember um, I was having my tonsils out, and we went to St. Joe's, and you walked in the door, and there was this beautiful statue of Jesus. And I remember going, I'm not supposed to like this. <laughs> But I do. It's like, and what's the matter with a, a statue of Jesus? I'm not bowing down to that statue or anything. And that was the whole. Again, we were from with a very, very dogmatic congregation. Um, that's not all Church of Christ. Anyway, and this we're talking late sixties here. Anyway, so it was like I wanted to look at the pretty things. So. You know, um, I'd go to friends' houses where they would have nativity sets. I was just fascinated by them. And anyway, then after the split, I started going, there are all these other religions. This, this was seventh grade. And I picked up a world history book. And it had about Islam. And I went, wow, this is cool. And I had also, in our uh, Sunday school class, we had been talking about the geographic region of um, you know, the Middle East and, so, and Israel and so forth. I went, wow, these people are very similar. And then I started, it's like, wait, this is the story of Abraham and then Ishmael. And it's like something, and I have to admit, that always, that always bothered me. Wait, Ishmael got kicked out and <laughs> so yeah that that really bothered me yeah um and so there were some answers there but i looked at that it's like yeah that's not for me and then of course you know you ever, again late 60s 70s let's go with buddhism you know they've got some pretty art too <laughs> and just from there it, it went and i've i've had a lifelong fascination with uh, religion and reading about it and and wondering if i wanted of this. But the more you read, even if you like the philosophies, the more you read, the more every religion, well, has, has done some pretty nasty stuff. So if they all say, you know, do this, do this, and that's a way of being godly, and then turn around and kill people for whatever reason at various points, um, through history, not cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so did that, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, you don't in your current belief system and correct me if I'm misstating this, but I think earlier you said in your current beliefs, you don't have an issue with God or the idea of God. Um, but you aren't, uh, aren't a fan of organized religion. And so did some of those studies and, and some of that, uh, what you learned about how every religion, organized religion, has 
some uh, black marks in its past? You know, did, was that a key factor in that? Yes, and also looking at people and, and looking at people from various religions. Um, and I came to the conclusion that, well, let me quote Mark. I believe it's uh, Mark Twain. There's just enough religion in the world to make men hate each other. <laughs> it's not God that's the problem. It's not the Bible or the Quran or the 11 pillars of... Uh, that's not it. It's how people get together and use the teachings for ill. And again, we are all flawed human beings. That's not to say that... I. I have known so many wonderful people of faith, um, real true Christians. And I'm always amazed at, to me, like how can you have faith in this religion when you're looking around at other people in your congregation or whatever who are doing ill? And I, I know that's a hypocrisy on my part because again, I'm a flawed human being too. But somehow people have so much faith that they can overlook the problems or try to solve the problems. So um, it's basically organized religion is not for me. Gotcha. Yeah, um, as you're describing that, I wonder. I wonder if a lot of it has to do with tribalism. You know, like. Um, and, and maybe I relate, to, maybe I think that partly because of my background, you know, growing up in a small town, rural area, um, you know, and attending various small churches throughout my life, um, I can, and, and maybe it's even specific to Missouri, I don't know, or maybe it's, you know, a, a Midwest Southern thing, but like I, I've observed that a lot throughout my life that there are people who almost don't really care what you do right or wrong as long as you are sticking together you know <laughs> I, I i've seen that a lot in families families you know and i've seen that uh probably to a lesser extent in churches but i think there's some current undercurrent of that sometimes you know so that's what i hear you saying is you know for you it's difficult to be a part of a church or a faith community where there are uh, flawed people who are not just flawed people, but acting in flawed ways. And at the same time, looking outside the church walls and saying, oh, all those people are horrible. <laughs> is that, you know, is that a fair description or summary? Right, right. That's it. That's it. Sure. Yeah. So what would it be like for you to be part of a, to encounter a faith community or a church where they were more humble and they acknowledged, you know, we're just as flawed as anyone and we're not going to, you know, we don't judge the outside world and we don't hold ourselves as better than them or, or more enlightened than them. Um, we know we've got plenty of, of our own problems and our own flaws. You know, if, if you were to experience something like that, what would that experience be like for you or what would that do for you? Sure. Um, I I think it would be 
here. I, it's funny when I think of church, I start thinking of church ritual or, you know, um, but it would be a community of people that we would agree that, you know, let's, let's worship God and, and look at what God has made and look at the beauty in the world. And at the same time, I, you know, really respect that and, and glorify that. I can be so bold. But at the same time, recognize there's the, the darker side too. And how can we work? How can we work to bring in more enlightenment to people outside of our group as well as inside of our group? So I think I'm, I'm thinking that uh, perhaps um, at least um, social justice, um, I think that would have to be a part of it. Okay. As well as the, um, I, I, I think, I think rituals bring us together. And I think there would need to be some sort of ritual involved in, in the worship. I, I don't know what that would look like though. That's, <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just, as you were talking about that, it just, it makes so much sense to me, right? I mean, that, um, and I, and I've interviewed a number of different people for this podcast and, you know, a lot of what you're saying, I, I'm hearing echoes of, in previous conversations I've had, you know, where people talk about, um, how they've been hurt by the church or they've observed what seems to them to be hypocrisy in the church. And, and they really would like the church to be more humble, to, to listen better, to, uh, and to work towards social justice more. Um, you know, and social justice is such a strange thing in our current cultural moment because, you know, some people, uh, interpret that as a negative thing, like, Oh, you're a social justice warrior or, you know, you've got this, um, you know, I, I'm just going to say it, you've got this liberal agenda. Um, and I, what I'm hearing from you and from other people I've talked with is, well, no, if there are people in our community in need, um, you know, or if there is injustice in our community, the church should be one of the loudest voices of speaking out against that injustice and one of the most active groups in trying to meet those needs. Um, you know, it kind of, it reminds me of the, um, I think it's in the book of James where he writes, uh, if, you know, what's good is it to say, you know, be well, my brother and, and, and not give them a coat, you know, or get, or help them with a meal. And, and so it, it sounds a lot like, um, you know, trying a community that would put its money where its mouth is, you know, and, and really, uh, put action behind what it says it values, and at the same time, you know, not uh, focus on, well, we believe the right things, and therefore we're better than all these other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, does that make sense? Does that kind of jive with what you were thinking? Or Yes. Yes. And um, if you've got a minute, um, I, I, what may have shaped me, um, too, 
And again, it's going back to my childhood church. Um, this is in Michigan. This is in the 60s. And uh, again, we had African-American families with white families, which, you know, yes, it's the North, but still. Yeah. Um, and I remember my folks talking about Martin Luther King, and they had actually had a meeting to see if people thought it was okay that African-Americans should join that. I mean, to me, that's like, what? <laughs> but then they did. Now, it's, so it was normal to me. Um, I have to explain a little bit. I was a kid who never shut off, <laughs> and half the time nobody listened to me because I was just constantly going. Um, in sixth grade, our, not sixth grade, I'm sorry, uh, when I was six, first grade, um, they integrated our school. And this was 1969, and the teacher called my parents and asked if I could sit with the African-American girls. I, again, and all the neighbors, a white neighborhood, of course, all the neighbors are all up in arms because we're going to be busing these African-American kids in. Oh, my gosh, you know, the world's ending. And I walked by the adults, and I said, Joey Gatewood is uh, black, and I go to Sunday school with him. What's the problem? <laughs> Good for you. I guess it was silent. It was, what do you say? What do you say to a kid? Yeah. And it, I guess out of the mouths of babes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think that that helped shape me, that we weren't normal, you know. Sure. Um, and that that was just wrong. Um, the other congregate, what Martin Luther King said, 11 o'clock on, uh, on <laughs> Sunday was the most uh, segregated hour of the, uh, of the week. Um, anyway, I didn't have that experience. So, um, again, it, it shaped me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I think you asked me a question. I didn't answer it. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I, I was more just like confirming that I was reflecting back what you said uh, accurately and um, or that what I was taking from it was accurate. And and I really appreciate you sharing that story because uh, I think that's a great example of what we've been talking about. You know, um, I think it's very understandable that people who are spiritual, who, you know, believe in God would then have a problem with organized religion, you know, when you're in a situation like that, for example, where, you know, you're looking out at the world and there's all this civil, uh, there's civil rights movement is at its height and there's all this social unrest. And, you know, I'm sure that that was very much like 2020 has been <laughs> earlier in the year, but for a longer period of time and probably even more widespread. And, and so we can, you know, us living here in 2020 can relate somewhat. And, and so, you know, for then for your church to say, well, really the right thing to do, the biblical thing to do is to open our doors to anyone and then for you as a, a young girl to, you know, internalize that and then apply it in that way by, you know, speaking truth to power, so to speak, or speaking, you know, truth to these adults as you walk by. I mean, that's a great example, I think, of what you were talking about, what we've been talking about with um, of living out our faith, of 
um, not succumbing to the worst impulses of organized religion, but rather uh, realizing the best of it. And, you know, so for us in our context in 2020, I mean, what would that look like? Well, that would look like social justice, you know, <laughs> that would look like speaking up, that would look like um, solidarity with, with people who are concerned about systemic injustices and systemic problems. You know, I'm, and for anyone listening to this who, you know, if anyone listening is thinking, well, wait a minute, what about, you know, what about police? You know, what about supporting law enforcement? I mean, I personally think a lot of the systemic reforms people talk about would benefit police too, you know? I mean, if I was a police officer, I would much prefer for society to be stable and not, you know, worry about getting called out to a riot or, you know, a mass protest. Um, and so if holding, you know, uh, if creating more accountability for those police officers who do abuse power or act uh, impulsively and, and uh, unreasonably um, by most people's standards makes society as a whole stay more stable i mean that's going to benefit me as a police officer or law enforcement um and so uh, you know i think it's important to disentangle our religious identity and our political identity and to be more nuanced and and say well just because you advocate for social justice doesn't mean that you also don't support law enforcement i mean you can do both um and it also uh, doesn't mean you don't love your country. You know, you can love your country and want your country to be better and do better. You know, you can do both. And uh, it seems like in 2020, we've lost that nuance. <laughs> um, and uh, and and I guess I'm planning to release this in 2021. So um, hopefully we'll regain it in 2021. Um, and so, Catherine, I think your your story and your background illustrates so many good points that we can learn from and, and grow. I want to take a break from the interview to issue a subscriber challenge. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. And if you would even rate and review us, that'd be wonderful. But only five-star reviews, please. Um, those kinds of things go a long way toward helping other people to find the podcast. So there's a chance someone might be needing something in their spiritual life or in, just to encourage them or to support them or to make them think a little bit more and deepen their relationship with God. And maybe they find this, maybe they stumble across this because it comes up in their search rankings because you took a moment to subscribe and to tap five stars, five star reviews only, please. Um, and of course you can share this on social media if you wanna go even next level with helping people to find the podcast and to benefit from whatever we're doing here um, with our interviews and with our uh, sermon series and devotionals and the other things we're trying to do. Uh, so thank you very much for your help. You know, we exist for you. And with your help, we can spread as far as we can and benefit as many people as we can. Let's get back to the interview. I could hear people saying or thinking, well, that's not how we're saved. <laughs> you know, we're saved by faith alone. We're saved by, um, you know, grace. And, and so what would you, what would your response be to that? Or how could, you know, you as a, a nun, you know, um, how could you, engage in dialogue with someone who's thinking that or saying that? Um, oh, my mother would be spinning her wheels right now. Um, um, I can't remember where it's at, but doesn't Paul say faith without works is dead? Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's James, but 
Yeah, Paul Paul definitely talks in similar language at times. I, I was just studying that and writing about that, actually. Yeah. So, yes, um, it's through grace, but isn't there more to it than that? Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't being a Christian more than just I'm saved because um, by God's grace? Because at that point, okay, God saved me. Doesn't that give you, if, if that's the only premise you're working on, doesn't that give you permission to do whatever you want because you're saved? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think there's more, I, I believe there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Um, yes, God's grace, of course, but, you know, being a Christian um, is hard work. Um, it's hard to love one another. It's, it's hard to follow all of those uh, precepts, which you're supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, that's, you've got, I, I would bring that up. That What's the point then? If, <laughs> if you can just say, okay, you know, I accept Jesus, and now I'm saved. And I've seen too much of that. Um, actually, I think most people don't really stop to, you know, shame on me, don't really stop to think about what they believe and why they believe it. Yeah. Um, plenty of people do, but um, one other thing, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going, uh, I hope to edit this out. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks go to the church they go to, because that's where their parents went. And it, you know, same thing with political. It's like, this is just what we do. And, you know, we all do things like that. That's not a slam. But a lot of folks don't really follow through with what they really think they yeah. believe. And that's hard work, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree completely with that. Um, you know, so many of our decisions and so many of our habits and practices are just kind of, habit or passed down or we, we don't think too much about it or question it much. Um, and to some extent, I think the church doesn't allow much space for thinking about it or questioning about it. Um, and, and that's one thing that I've tried to do with this podcast. It's kind of invert inadvertently. I didn't, wasn't intending for it, but it's turned into this kind of space, safe space for people to think and question and explore things. Um, yeah, I think that's so well said. Um, and that's something I've actually been thinking about recently too. Um, you know, um, there's this great quote. Um, it was from a, a previous interview I did with uh, Pastor Ben Kramer. And he said, you know, the church has followers that God doesn't have and God has followers the church doesn't have. And I, I love that because it, it captures a lot of what you're saying that, you know, um, we really do, people, there's a huge difference between Oh, I prayed the sinner's prayer that one time, so I'm good. I'm covered. <laughs> and and versus, you know, I'm I'm really committed to living out what I think the Bible calls us to do and what Jesus calls us to do. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like you said, you know, Paul. I think it's James who says, you know, faith without works is dead. But Paul also talks a lot about, you know, we're saved by grace alone. But at the same time, stop doing this stuff and start doing these other things. And and so, yeah, I've kind of come around to, uh, uh, to thinking more along your lines as well. You know, yes, we're saved by grace, but I think the grace that we have fuels us to do the good works. You know, um, just just yesterday, um, 
in 2020, I was uh, doing a different interview with Matt Albritton, um, and he shared something that I'd never heard before, that um, in the late 90s, the Lutheran and Catholic churches got together, um, their leadership got together, and basically said, can we hash out some of our big differences? And they ended up agreeing to the idea or doctrine that we're saved by grace to good works. And I was like, that's a great, I think that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what advice would you give to people for engaging religious nuns or uh, people who um, maybe believe in God but aren't part of organized religion or interested in organized religion? Like what advice would you give for engaging those people, interacting with those people? Just ask. I mean, for me, if you ask, I will. I will tell you um, that you, know, you. If you have the ideal church, I'm there. But for the most part, that's not. That has not worked for me. And and here's why. And and then just let it be. Just just let it be. Um, I really. And I think most people are turned off by, you have to do this, you have to do this. And um, sometimes, even if, it, and honestly, when people are doing that, I understand for the most part it comes out of love, mm. that people are truly concerned for your soul. I honestly believe that. But there's a point to, it's like, look, I've thought this over, you believe this, I'm having trouble with it. So don't push. Ask by all means. Um, offer what you have, but back off. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really well said. Yeah, and again, echoes previous conversations I've had. You know, listen well. You know, listen well. Ask questions. Be curious, but then also be humble and don't just you know. And also don't turn the person to, into a project. You know, it's like, I'm going to save you, Catherine. Um, you know, instead it's, I want to, I actually want to be a friend to you. I want to connect with you, you know, um, you know, if you're interested, come by our small group and, you know, we have a great time in, in addition to talking about God, you know, um, and if you're not, that's fine too. You know, we can still be friends. We can still hang out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems to me like that would be, you know, when we get, like you said, it comes out of love come from comes a very loving place you know i'm concerned about your soul um i do you know i do think sometimes it can also come from i'm concerned about my church's declining attendance you know <laughs> and you know and sometimes those things get kind of mixed you know like i'm concerned about your soul because it's hard for me to grasp how it might be okay if your your salvation might be okay unless you're going to church every sunday um, you know, and so it, it gets kind of messy and complicated, but, but I, I think I agree that, you know, ask questions, listen well, um, offer things, you know, offer ideas, ways to connect authentically, but yeah, don't push, don't ram it down people's throats because that's not going to work. You know, that's just going to turn people off even more. And I, I know some people who have actually turned people away from by just being obnoxious yeah. and, um, 
at that church. I, I know someone who just is an example. Look at that church. Somebody will say to him, that's not, a, that's a church building. That's not a church. The church are the people in it. It's like, Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely, <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, it's like, you know what I meant. Come on. <laughs> so thank you very much. Is there anything else you want to add or anything else you want our listeners to know? Well, going back, if we all followed the main precepts, mm. love God, love one another, be kind to one another, help one another if we did that we would have we would have the paradise sure yeah that's well said Catherine thank you again so much for this conversation I really really appreciate it I appreciate your time and appreciate your your vulnerability and openness and um you know I guess in the spirit of what you said you know uh, I hope you continue to listen to the podcast and go back to listen to previous episodes and uh, maybe check out our church and its online service and and live stream and um but uh, but I won't push any of that <laughs> um, quick question sure do you folks have bells uh what do you mean by bells do you have a bell choir we do yeah um they don't play super often but we do have one yeah my husband grew up as a Methodist. Um, he says he isn't, but anytime he can get in there and do the bell choir, <laughs> I had to ask for him. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, one day they usually do it around the holidays, but obviously with COVID, it's, everything's right. different. So maybe next holiday season that'll work out. Well, Catherine, thank you again so much, and uh, I'll uh, I'll let you get back to your day and enjoy your day, and I hope you have a really good break. Yeah, you too. And thank you. This was really fun. Thank you very much.